Coaching Podcast is exactly that. A podcast for anyone involved in establishing, running or developing a coaching program within an organisation. We want to answer your questions and support you in developing the best coaching program within your organisation by speaking with those who have already been there. For additional resources and new episodes, check out possible.ie forward slash podcast. This week, Paul is joined by David O'Grady. David is a regional talent development lead for 3M, who recently acquired KCI. It was in KCI that David set up and rolled out their internal coaching programme. This started with getting local buy-in within Ireland before ultimately expanding the programme globally. In this episode, we discuss how to sell coaching internally to senior stakeholders, measuring the success of coaching internally, managing conflict between your role as a coach and your day job. Let's have a listen. David O'Grady, thanks a million for joining us. Thank you, Paul, and thank you so much for the invite. I think this is um, a terrific offering, so I'm delighted to join you. Great. And why don't we start, David, by maybe tell us a little bit about your own background and how you kind of came to coaching. Sure, yeah. Um, I guess in terms of my background, Paul, I'm about 15 years working as a HR um, L&D professional, um, range of roles from HR business partner to uh, probably one of the more recent roles, uh, global talent development um, in an organization called KCI. And we've recently been acquired by, by 3M. So we're going through a, a fun integration process at the moment. But mm. you could say in terms of my professional background, predominantly HR stroke L&D. I've also worked part-time for three years as a adjunct lecturer um, in Athlone IT. Um, so I designed uh, and delivered uh, two modules in a CIPD course there. Uh, one in particular was really related to coaching specifically, which is something I really enjoyed. Then in terms of my education, Paul, uh, my primary degree is in human resources from the National College of Ireland. Um, I also have a master's in organizational behavior from the University of Limerick and the Kimmy Business School. Uh, in terms of my qualifications, I'm also an ICF accredited coach, and um, I believe we've actually done the same the same course, Paul, yeah. <laughs> with the lovely Alva in the background yeah. there as well. Uh, so, in terms of of KCI and obviously 3M now, um, you're involved in uh, implementing, I suppose, the the coaching program there. Can you tell us a little bit about why you did that, firstly, and and how you did it? Yeah, no, it's a great it's a great question. I mean. When I think back over my career, um, I've always had a passion for, you know, people fulfilling their potential. And I've always taken a close look at what makes a difference uh, when we talk about fulfilling potential. And I had an early career experience myself um, where it was a challenging work experience in terms of maybe a working relationship. Um, and this is very early in my career. Uh, but there was a trainer I came across who was effectively a coach unbeknownst to myself. And he, he sort of had a sense of what was going on. He took me under his wing for a couple of coffees and little did I know I was being coached at the time. Uh, but it was tra- <laughs> Stealth coaching. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was transformational for myself because what it actually did for me was actually realize the role I was playing in that particular situation and what I could do to change that. And over the space of a few weeks and a few months, it was transformational in terms of my, my effectiveness in the organization and my growth as a professional. So that was, that was an early indicator that this was something I'd love to pursue a bit further. After that, then, I, I did my, my master's in, in UL, um, and I got deep into the research of coaching in particular. That was of real interest to me. 
um, a lot of the theory and understanding the impact it was having in organizations. I also loved studying industry trends. I could see the growth in coaching there. Mm. Uh, and also, I mentioned a moment ago, jokingly, that we did we did the the um, ICF course with Alva in, in Portish, and that was a real eye opener because you know on that course there was a lot of professionals, including senior leaders, who were yeah. going through it. And you know, not every, and you know as well as I as I, you know, not everybody goes on to be a coach, but they they found huge value in actually just being coached yeah. in those sessions. And I thought, God, wouldn't it be fantastic to bring that into your organisation and actually have it as as an offering? So then it was a case of, well, well, how do I actually go and get that off the ground? Um, so I did, again, I had all my research done. Um, I put together a communication deck and I got to present to the, the Athlone senior leadership. And the great thing about the Athlone site is they're incredibly open-minded and progressive in all of these spaces anyway. So they'll always give you an opportunity to, to present your ideas. So I had to go through, you know, what was going to be important. I went through, you know, the benefits of it. I went through uh, what was the process going to involve, uh, ethical guidelines around that. What are some of the time commitments for myself? Because obviously I had my normal day job as well on top of that. Yeah. And also what was going to be the review process in terms of whether this was working or not working. And I think I was able to anticipate and answer a lot of the questions that surfaced for the senior leaders. And again, I framed it as a pilot, you know, rather than going, this is going to be a big bang yep. new thing. Let's try it. Let's see how it goes. And, and let's take it from there. And, and then, it, of course, they gave the go ahead, which I was very grateful for. And then it was a case of a site, you know, a launch to, to certain targeted populations within the, the manufacturing facility and build it out from there. One of the things I hear and certainly would have seen when I did the course in Port Leash was people then going on to want to implement an internal coaching program of some description. And I think it's driven from a similar thought, really, that people have experienced how transformational coaching can be and they know that there's a benefit there. And you talked about kind of research and, and, and data when we spoke before, actually. So how do you translate that feeling or that knowing or that intangible of, God, coaching is brilliant, <laughs> into something that a business is going to want to bring on board, if you know yeah, what I mean? That's, I, 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 that's a great question. And it's, it's one of the most difficult things, I would say, Paul, because even as someone who's coached, you know, for the last number of years, even today, trying to explain to people what coaching is about, I find difficult. And I, I always say to people, until you actually go through a coaching session, you're not going to fully know what coaching is about. And the other thing about that, Paul, is, you know, a lot of people don't realize that coaching is a very young field um, yeah. in its own right. You know, there's just hundreds, if not thousands of books about coaching out there. And we know, you know, if we've gone through it, that it's worthwhile. But there's very little empirical research um, to yeah. back up its benefits. And if you're a business leader and you have somebody coming to you and saying, oh God, this is going to be transformational, they'll probably roll their eyes a little bit <laughs> themselves if they haven't gone through coaching and, and question that. So in terms of myself, I mean, one of the things that I was, I was, it was beneficial to myself was when I did the thesis in, in UL, um, I focused on coaching. And, and what I wanted to measure was the actual impact of managerial coaching. So if you, if you like, I can tell you a little bit about that study. So, so the thesis was on manager, um, measuring excuse me, the impact of managerial coaching. So when we say managerial coaching, it's just obviously manager level coaching. You know, normally they're, they're trained at something like the GROW model, as was the case in this instance. Um, and what I did was I, I conducted a longitudinal study uh, which measured the impact of coaching on engagement over three separate time points. points. Um, so I measured coaching um, people's level of engagement just prior to receiving coaching from the manager. I received their level. I measured the level of engagement just after the coaching engagement, and I measured their level of engagement four weeks later again to see what was the impact. 
in terms of the numbers in that study, there was 164 employees that received coaching from the manager. Yeah. And there was about maybe 35 in the control group. And it, I was able to show that it had a significant impact on people's level of engagement over that particular um, timeline. Just to add to that, I mean, what's, what's particularly interesting for myself, even coming away from that, is, is not simply that, you know, coaching had an impact. It's the fact that those who were conducting the coaching were, you know, your absolute novice coaches. And that's not been in any way disrespectful. Yeah. They've, got, they've gone through a short course, maybe a day, a day and a half on the GROW model, and they've been asked to apply that learning. So in many ways, it was, you know, a conversation where they were using a coaching methodology at a very basic level. And yet we could see that it had an impact on people's levels of engagement, significant impact. Um, so that begs the question, you know, as we increase the skill level of managerial coaching or, or we introduce professional coaches internally, what impact would that have on the level of engagement of employees over time? Sure. And that's probably somewhere I'd like to go a bit further with this as time goes on, Paul. Okay, so because someone who, who hasn't had a huge amount of training is able to generate an impact, imagine what we could do if we had more training and more skill. That's exactly it, because, you know, a lot of the research is, you know, you've got a lot of research around the characteristics of a good coach and yeah, yeah. a bit of coaching theory and it to be related to HRD and everything that goes with it. But, you know, there's nothing like for a business leader to be able to see, well, here's the impact of a coaching conversation on your employees, because we know that engagement has a positive impact on productivity, which impacts profitability. Mm. So now you start to get a stronger correlation um, in terms of why businesses should actually pursue this, this route. And so you, you spoke about um, pitching the idea of a pilot initially. So it wasn't this huge leap, I suppose, and people can get on board easily. Um, were you able to measure results from that? Or, or how did you go, I suppose, from a pilot to implementing a wider program? Yeah, in terms of the pilot, what was important was um, getting, of course, getting coaching feedback from, from the individuals and the managers. So it involved a, a tri-party process, um, the, the program itself, um, that you're, I'm sure, familiar with yourself, Paul. Yeah. Uh, and all, for anybody who doesn't, hasn't heard of a tri-party process, it just means that you're working in conjunction with the individual, the employee, and also with their manager. And, and in a nutshell, you're sitting down in advance and putting a framework around how this is going to operate. So what would happen is that the manager and the, and the individual, they would get a template in terms of what were their expectations, what were they seeking from the coaching. They would then come together and actually agree, you know, what's going to be the focus of the coaching process. And then I would meet with them at that stage in terms of what are we targeting at a high level. So say, for example, it was to improve their delegation skills or working relationships or whatever the case might be. But part of that process would be that we would have a midpoint review and we would have an end of process review and we would come back and see, has the manager in particular, of course, seen an observable difference in terms of how the individual performs their duties? And inevitably, thankfully, they would have seen an improvement. Or perhaps they would say, you know, there's still room for improvement and we could build on that. But by and large, they were able to see at least observable information that changes in behavior had occurred and it was benefiting the wider team. So that was a, a key measure point. And so get, getting clear in that contracting phase around what are the measures, I suppose, of success towards the outcome? And what will you be demonstrating yeah. if you're getting there? How will we really know? Yeah, you know, it's, it's one of the challenges working in learning and development anyway, is trying to, you know, get that clear measure of the impact of, yeah. of an event versus to, to the benefit of the business. So one, one of the best ways of doing that is to know what's the return on expectation um, rather than return on investment. So if, if we're clear in terms of what, we're, what success looks like, and, that, and that, that's a great coaching question, as you know, Paul, you know, what would success look like by the end of this process? Yeah. 
Um, let's be clear and specific around what that looks like, as detailed as possible. Uh, and then let's take a step back at the end of it and see have we seen observable changes in that regard. And so long as a person's open to that process and they want to change and they're committed to it, you, you will inevitably see progression. Um, sure. There's no question about that. And then, of course, it becomes a word of mouth thing as regards, actually, you know what, that's really benefited somebody here. I would encourage you to get involved or avail of the coaching as, as it's going on. Yeah, that, that was my next question, actually, around kind of referrals. But I suppose if, you, if you're measuring the impact of coaching like that in terms of, you know, measuring uh, success against outcomes, you also have additional data to say to management, look, this is where we started. This is where we got to. Most people have reported an improvement. So it's, it's a tangible, I suppose. I, I think to be fair, and again, I have to credit the Athlone leadership in that regard, um, because again, at the start, they were fully open to it. But they're, they're you know, smart people. They're fair. When they look at it, sure. they can say, you know, we mightn't have a scientific data correlation here to say this has led to an improvement in this part yeah. of the business. But they can observe a behavioral change in their team and say, you know what, there's a strong chance that that's down to the coaching um, sessions that have gone on over the last number of weeks. Um, and that's, that's just, a, I, know, I think that's really important, you know, that your leadership are fair and in that regard. Um, but there's no question, you know, uh, it, it's not only a benefit you see to the individual as well, it's the ripple effect that it has on the wider team that they work mm-hmm. within as well, the working relationships there as well. And that's what's one of the most gratifying things um, doing this. But yeah, I think, I think setting clear expectations at the very beginning is, is a key data point um, in doing any coaching. And we'd, you kind of mentioned it there in terms of, of referrals and word of mouth. And as an external coach, I know how important referrals are. <laughs> it's the lifeblood of the business nearly. But is it the same with internal coaching? Listen, it, there's no, you, can't, you can't question the power of, of word of mouth uh, when somebody passes around and says, you know, I would definitely encourage you to give, a, give it a go in terms of coaching with David or coaching with Paul or coaching with whoever. But, but I certainly wouldn't say that it's, it's the only factor either. Not to repeat myself, but I think it's important that the, the leadership team are open to it happening, first of all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives you that gateway. But I think there's a couple of things in particular that stand out for me, Paul. The first one being your credibility as a coach. Um, so when you're going to communicate or send out maybe a, a two-slide deck to the wider site is to say this is available or whatever the case might be, it's a case of, well, what's your experience to date? What are your qualifications in this regard? What's your philosophy um, in terms of how you're approaching this? What, what should I expect in terms of the, the process itself, even at a very high level? You know, one of the, one of the big bugbearers for myself, uh, and we mentioned this in terms of when we had an initial chat, is, you know, people doing a coaching certificate and then referring to themselves as an executive coach. There's, there's not an L&D professional in the country that would put somebody who just certified uh, with limited hours in front, in front of a vice president of an organization. Now, they, they, they could possibly be, be an excellent coach, although, you know, research would show you need to build up your hours. But they wouldn't have the credibility to sit in front of, of somebody at that level. And there's no need to do that. So I think your credibility has to be, you know, how are you pitching this within the organization? What's your standing? What's your experience? What's your track record within the organization? Um, as well in, in different, different change initiatives, different learning and development initiatives. So that's one thing. Um, the second thing is, I think, is how you frame it. Um, I think that's really, really important in terms of how are you pitching it out to the organization? And 
I give the example at the start where this was, you know, a very formal process, sort of formal process, you know, the tri-party agreement, we're going to come together with your manager and so on. That wasn't for everybody, I found from my experience. You know, some didn't want to get into too much of a formality with, with, with their manager and so on and go through that. I had a sense of the organization, you know, a lot of people wanted to focus on the development plans. So when I went out at a second time, or maybe it was third time down the, the road, I pitched it out there as, as drop-in development. You just drop in for maybe one-off session and give it a go. We'll focus on your development plan. Now, I didn't just throw it out there to the, to the population. Again, I went through the manager. So I went through the manager first and said, well, listen, this is, this is available as a drop-in development option. If you'd like your teams to avail, you send it out to them as an offering so that, again, they felt they were on board with that process as well. Mm. And then one of the more recent ones that I sent out, I, I framed it as a leadership development coaching. The interesting thing is that the process doesn't change in terms of the coaching process, but it attracted different people each in each of those offerings because it connects with them in a different way. Um, leadership development meant something else to somebody else or it was on their, their mind or whatever the case might be. So I think how you, your credibility, um, your track record internally, and also how you frame it internally is, is particularly important. Yeah, and I'm, I suppose I'm hearing that having flexibility around how it's framed and proposed and everything else is can be important as well. Yeah, I, I, what I found is, you know, as this, as time has gone on, you know, my 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 credibility, I guess, thankfully, has has gone on where you know more leaders are aware that I do this. They they trust that the process is safe, that it's confidential, that it's not going to lead to any any particular challenges. So it allows me greater flexibility to offer it to to a wider audience and. It's gone from a, at a local level out to, you know, I was coaching somebody in Australia uh, last week and uh, Germany the week before that, you know, to, to a global reach. But I'm also I'm always very conscious of, you know, how do I how do I navigate this or how do I pitch this both in terms of the, the frame and the right avenue? And, it, and it's for me, it's critically important that leaders always feel that they're fully aware and they're involved in the process in some way, shape or form. You kind of touched off it there a little bit around confidentiality, but how do you manage conflict between David the coach and David the HR professional? Yeah, that's that's the that, that's the big question, I think, isn't it? You know, when somebody's getting yeah. into it, because it's it, so often it's a HR someone with a HR background who's who's pushing this. Thankfully, it's it's not so much an issue for me now. Even though I'm part of the the human resources function, I'm regarded as the the talent development guy, the the L and D guy, or whatever the case. So it's sort of separated in people's minds that you're not necessarily your traditional HR role. Uh, when I started, I was absolutely the HR person. It was, you know, a senior HR business partner. Um, and, and I'm sure, I mean, without anybody saying it to me, I'm sure it caused um, maybe a concern for some people not to step forward because they were speaking to somebody, maybe mm-hmm. an HR person. And what did all this mean? And I'm sure maybe for certain managers, it might have caused, well, do I want my team member going to a HR person, as the case might be? What I would say is that I got enough numbers, thankfully, off, off the bat um, when, when I put it out there to say, listen, I'd love to give it a go, you know, maybe it's some of our engineers or whatever. And as I started going through those people, maybe I had six or seven at the very beginning. And, you know, maybe I was doing a couple of sessions a week. Um, it started to come through that actually this is a very safe process. Um, it's a very well managed process. It's managed in the same way as if an external coach was coming into the organization. And we've got clear guidelines of how everything operates in that regard as well. What I would say is, is, is it's very important to be clear on the communication and to be as explicit. So, so call out those concerns. You know, when I, when I had the tri-party meeting with, with, um, with individuals, with manager and a coachee, I was very clear with the manager that, you know, okay, we're working on no overarching theme here regarding maybe delegating 
responsibility. But that's as far as I'm going to communicate with yourself. Anything I discuss with the individual in the sessions is going to be completely confidential to them. It is completely separate from HR. And this is about professional development. If they want to share something with you, they're more than welcome to do that. But I certainly won't be going any further than that in terms of this communication. And they will be fine because they would say, yes, that makes perfect sense um, to myself. And really, it's just after that, it's really, Paul, it's really about, you know, trust. Have you got a track record of trust within the organization? Are you, are you meeting your commitments in terms of confidentiality as this is going on? And if you are, inevitably, that sort of concern and conflict starts to diminish um, mm. pretty rapidly, I found. How clear do you need to be with the coachee around what can be covered or can't be covered in the coaching session? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I, I would. I would be clear. I mean, I would be saying to them at the very start of the session that we had. I mean, I would have said it in the tripartite, but I would also say it at the start of each session is that you know, if it falls into the realm of something that's HR related. So, say for example, and I'm just giving this as an example that you know, it might potentially be connected with some bullying. Then the coaching would have to come straight to a halt, and that would have to be dealt with in a different manner. That that mm-hmm. wasn't the place for this. This was about your professional development and. They would, they would appreciate that, to be honest with you. They yeah. would actually say, you know, absolutely. There's, there's got nothing to do with that whatsoever. And thankfully, as these sessions went on, that never even cropped up. But, but, but I would say from my learning is that to be as explicit as possible with manager and employee and just call out those things that, you know, niggling in the background, it just diffuses all that. It puts people at ease that this is it's nothing to be concerned about. It's really about your professional development. You mentioned coaching people recently in Germany and Australia. Do you think it helps that you're part of, you know, a large global company um, in terms of managing that conflict and being able to coach without just encroaching too much on what you do? Yeah, I, I think there's there's definitely benefits to having a, a wider reach, uh, your target population. I start off at a local site level. So you've got, but the, the numbers are fairly reasonable, but you've, you can only go so far with the coaching process. I mean, once you cycle through maybe... 15, 20 people, maybe there's no more that want to receive coaching at that particular junction. And like, you know, did they want to cycle around a second or third time? That becomes more of a challenge. And, and also that network, you know, that now of course it's done in confidence, but obviously the networks start to overlap and stuff like that, mm. that might feel comfortable. So that I, I understand the human nature element of it. There's, there's no question once I was able to expand it out to, you know, different geographies and different regions that it just became so much easier. And, you know, I worked for a company, KCI, that got 5,000 headcount, and, and now we're 3M, which is 100,000. <laughs> it's And I certainly won't be reaching out to, to, to even half of that. But I take your point. I, I think when you can when you can throw the net far, further afield, it, it does help. And, and I would say, you know, probably 90 to 95%, of, well, listen, 100% in recent weeks has certainly been online and virtual and it's worked very effectively. I, I, think, I think it works. It, it works. I, I, used to, I used to, I mean, for me, I always love getting face-to-face, um, so I wasn't sure, but I do find the virtual and the over-the-phone just as effective um, at the same time. Yeah. yeah, same. And I think a lot of what I would have done would have been face-to-face, but obviously it's, it's all gone virtual in the past few weeks and feedback I suppose from me and from clients I work with is that it works you know it's a little bit different but it works I think you know you know people often ask me you know what's the what's the benefit of of coaching and again you know you can talk about you want to help you fulfill your potential Mm. and everything that goes with it and we we get that but it still feels a little bit abstract you know what what exactly is that so something that's really connected with me in the last while um, Paul is the connection with neuroscience and 
Mm. We, we, we know that when people are, are in a stress state that they release cortisol into the brain, the amygdala gets hijacked and it just shuts down their, their rational brain. The prefrontal cortex starts to shut down. And, you know, it, it just it makes me smile, you know, how many times people come to the end of the session and they go, God, that was, that was so obvious. Why didn't I think of it? And it was actually their idea. And yes. I think what's happening, you know, is, you know, people are overwhelmed. You know, they were already overwhelmed with day-to-day work activities. But now you throw in COVID and everything on top of that. You know, you, you get stressed and overwhelmed and it becomes very difficult to make a clear judgment or decision as regards what you need to do. So to be able to have an hour with, with somebody where you can actually just log on and they can help you actually shift you from your amygdala into your prefrontal cortex and you start to have a more rational thinking. And then all of a sudden it just starts, the fog starts to lift. And everything just becomes so much clearer in front of them as regards what I need to do. And before they even call out the solution, you can nearly see them bouncing in their chair as regards, God, I know what I need to do. I need to know what I need to say. And I think that's incredibly impactful. You know, I think that's just, when you think about the money and time that can be saved by making better decisions and better judgments in these situations, I mean, if we can try and quantify that, um, it'll be an absolute game changer. Um, yeah. yeah that's, that's just something that's been resonating with me recently. Yeah, it's funny you should mention that I had a conversation with someone recently uh, about something similar and uh, seeing it, you're right, like you, you can see them bouncing in the chair and you can nearly see the idea forming and it, it's lovely to watch. But, but I also think there's kind of a wider impact of that if you can get to a, a stage where there's a realisation that being able to take a step back and take a breath leads to better decision making and more clarity, then it, it goes far beyond just the coaching sessions. Well, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and you know what, what I'm finding just having general conversations with people as, you know, as challenging as this period of time has been for a lot of people, it's also been an opportunity to pause and reflect yeah. and take a breath and start thinking about, you know, you know, the different aspects of your life and are there things that you want to take forward with you, are the things you want to change and, and do that. And I think that that's fantastic. And that's looking at the bigger picture side of things. And, you know, Within that, there's these micro moments in your day and in your week where a short conversation with somebody just to flesh something out can just be transformational for yourself in terms of your contentment and also in terms of your productivity. Absolutely. So final question, David, what one piece of advice would you give to someone who's looking to set up or refine an internal coaching program? Yeah, you know, I, I, I had a feeling you were going to ask this, Paul. Um, uh, so, you know, I was trying to think and I, I, I came up with three. So I'm, go- I'm going to be greedy and share maybe three pieces of advice. Um, the first one I would say is to for people to take the time uh, with this, because, you know, when you get so enthusiastic about some, something and you felt the benefit of something, you just sort of want to run out and <laughs> tell the world, God, this is, this is going to change the game uh, for ourselves. Um, so I would say take your time and, you know, be clear on, you know, what's going to be your communication strategy. Are you clear in terms of how this process is actually going to work? Have you got your templates in place just from a practical standpoint? So it looks professional when you're dealing with managers and dealing with employees. Is there potentially a sponsor out there for yourself that might be, you know, be, be a support for yourself um, as well? The second thing I would say is um, if you can't at all enlist the help of a coaching supervisor, I was fortunate enough to, to enlist the help of our um, previous trainer, Alba Harrington, um, as my coaching supervisor. Because when you're starting off on this, you're inevitably going to get dragged into potential ethical pitfalls that you yeah. just can't see as you're starting off. It's just, it's just part of the learning process. Um, and it's fabulous to have a sounding board where you can just pick up the phone and say, listen, 
am I taking the right approach here? Are there things I should be aware of? And somebody just go, okay, David, just watch out here because you go down a road that isn't going to benefit either you, the coachee, or the manager in that regard as well. So I mean, that sound board is, is great. And the third thing I would say to people is, you know, have fun with it. Um, I think, um, <laughs> and this sort of ties back in with myself of not, not calling yourself an executive coach. You know, you're, you're, you're a developing coach uh, internally. And, and even while your skill level is, a, is at a basic level, if, if it is at a basic level, you're going to benefit people by simply, you know, being attentive listener and asking them questions. They're going to get a benefit out of the session. And what I found, Paul, when I started off in this for the first 100 hours is I used to write at the top of my page, um, have fun. Because I, I fully understood that I'm going through a learning process. Some of these sessions will go well. Some of them will go bad. I'm a great believer that the bad ones are the ones that we get the most learning out of. Um, and do a reflection on that and go forward. And um, if, you, if you do that and you, and you stay the course, it will be one of the most gratifying experiences of your life. Because people will start dropping you an email a few weeks later, maybe a few months later. And they will refer to the transformation that they've had in their lives in the very same way that I shared at the start of this, the transformation coaching had in my own personal career uh, many years back. David O'Grady, thanks a million for your time. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you would like to be a guest, have any comments, or are curious about any topics in particular, get in touch with us on podcast at possible.ie. Thank you.